0: Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Kluck, joined as always by my good friends and partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And boys, we have uh, we have a very special treat today on the air, on the program. Uh, I'm actually in my classroom, so uh, imagine the guy from Dead Poets Society um, just kind of walking around on the tables, making making the education happen. i um, here in my classroom with my intro to podcasting class, so you guys say hello to our audience, Okay.
1: Hello.
2: There they are
0: eager, eager Christian college students, all of them perfect, all of them ready to learn and um, today is going to be a fun episode because we're just gonna let them lob questions at us questions about podcasting, questions about um, just the bright lights of this business boys and what it feels like to be kind of in this rarefied space as an evangelical superstar you know not to put too fine a point on it but uh, but before we get into all that I want to talk about, um, my favorite coffee brand, my favorite coffee to drink, the only coffee that I drink, um, is produced right here in Jackson, Tennessee by one Hector Ligaris. Uh Hector Ligaris is a local coffee roaster. Um, he's also uh, very authentic in that he flies often to Honduras and Nicaragua and, and uh, walks through the groves and examines each coffee bean. Uh, before it gets roasted and uh, you need to visit com. buy a bag of the happy rant signature blend it will be the best coffee you've ever tasted so again com, happy rant signature blends and tip of the the hitted, knitted hipster beanie to one hector Ligaris. um ron how are you it, it took us a little while to connect but i haven't heard your voice
3: in a while baby i just want to hear it Maybe I'm there. good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here with your students. And uh, yeah, I just had some uh, had some connection issues, and that's yeah. how it goes sometimes.
0: Maybe I can tell by the quality of your Wi-Fi or lack thereof that you're at home in Ashland. So my
3: condolences mm-hmm. that um, that you're back home. How is that going? I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm home in Ashland. I'm at the church, which uh, allegedly has better Wi-Fi, but yeah. apparently not.
0: You know. Maybe when does the when does the conference circuit ramp back up? For you again like
3: when can we have you back out on the road what is that looking like yeah I mean it's got there's some downtime right now probably March okay so just give, give me a you know in, enjoy the next month and a half of me being uh you know in Ashland and, and having bad Wi-Fi yeah so. yeah
0: I got you baby I got you now when is normal pastors
3: uh, that's not till the summer August okay so yeah
0: and did we get you a little plenary are you on the main stage for that I, I think that's all there is yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Piper, would you look at that? Our boy is all grown up. He's got his own, <laughs> own plenary
4: sesh. I like how maybe. he played it cool that he didn't know exactly what day yeah, and time he's know. speaking. I, he's like, I, I, I mean maybe man. maybe summer really liar. You know you, you know, you know the what, date, you know go the, go the to time. Kansas City and hope
3: to run into it. The, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, I'll find the date. I don't have it on me. I don't know the exact date. Baby, you have it, you, you have, it have it
4: tattooed on you, on you Ron. You, I, f- I feel like you're not being totally truthful right now.
0: Baby, you have a window open on your laptop and a Google why 30. Do you guys always, I
3: mean, on what, uh, why are you always uh, questioning my sincerity? <laughs> where, where did this come from?
0: I have no idea. We, just made, <laughs> we must have just made it up. Probably. All
3: of a sudden, I just became the great liar. Baby, you're not the uh, great liar. I mean, a this pipe is like, America. Oh, There's is a, a few more. The nice guy around. on the broadcast, and now he's like, "No, Ronnie's the liar. He's just a liar now." <laughs> you're
4: you're you the local, ma- you're the local man of the cloth, as well as yeah, the the untrustworthy one. I think that's how that's how we've local man of the cloth traveling. I think. those
3: things way. probably go hand in hand. A
4: man of the cloth and the greatest liar.
3: <laughs>
4: ah, I mean it, there, That does seem to be in the water these days. Oh boy. Oh,
0: boy. baby. Are you are you walking a little taller now that now that you book normal fasters is is Big M looking at you a little differently around the house?
3: No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think uh, I, I think she has, you know, she has some higher aspirations. Oh, she so, does. She's right, like,
0: I'm so, not, not going to let you be satisfied with that. Jared C. Right. It's like
3: last time I checked, you're not going on uh, at TGC after like Crawford Laritz, So we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> that. You know, that's right. Well, you know, what? she's. She, that's
0: iron sharpening iron in the Martin household, and she's calling you to a higher standard. But speaking of a higher standard, I have, uh, I have students in the room. Uh, they are eager to lob questions at us um, and see how how this Happy Ram magic comes together on a week-by-week basis. So uh, I'm going to open it up to the floor, and, and you guys, Ron, you probably know this because you've led you know breakout sessions at, at many conferences. Sometimes there's a little lull or a little awkward silence before the first question. So um, Absolutely. Bear with the group. A little yes. hesitancy, Big T. A little hesitancy, baby, and and uh, in this business, in the in the education business, um, you know, you just gotta power through that. So, uh, so I'm gonna open it up. to The group who has uh, who has a question for uh, Barnabas, Ron, or myself?
1: Should I ask my weird question?
0: Yeah, Tam. There's no weird questions. Okay. Okay. So yeah, far away. Please. Okay.
1: So this is something I came up with a little earlier today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you were Stuck on a Deserted Island, Okay. which one of your Happy Rant merch would you pick? Okay. For survival and why?
0: For survival and why. So the question is, and, and Tam is a just an excellent student in that she's she's already seamlessly marketing for our Missional Wear products, so uh, if you haven't done so already, listening audience, visit com. You can access any of these products for your own desert island trip. So the question is, uh, of all of our merch, so the moleskin Journals, the like toddler size yeti tumbler with our logo on it uh the t-shirts the long sleeve tees Um, which one would you take to a desert island and why so let's uh let's start with a marketing guru on the podcast let's start with one barnabas piper pipe fire away
4: well, I think if it well, if it's a desert island, I think any of the apparel is out because you don't really need that much. That's uh you just get a nice tan. Um Have your sunscreen.
1: Yeah. That's
4: <laughs> yeah, that's that seems unnecessary. Uh the moleskin would be useful for like a fire starter. You know, you you gotta get that first fire started after that. You can keep it you kinda keep it going for signal fire, for cooking. I don't know if there's anything on this desert island to cook, but that's a possibility. <laughs> um, the the Yeti tumbler is you can't do a lot with that it's just sort of a a metal container so besides
0: hold water and keep it cold i feel like that would be useful on a desert island
4: (laughs) but yeah i mean if there's if there's no water you're not going to last long anyway so that's true if there's water that, that could be useful i'm kind of inclined towards the pint glass though Okay. I I feel like you could you could break off the top part of it and then you'd have you'd have like a sharp object that you could use for cutting. You know, you'd have like a large shard of glass. And then the bottom part, if you didn't shatter it completely, that then becomes a small drinking glass. So I think I'm going to go with the pint glass uh, out of all of the things that we offer. I think that would be most useful on a desert island. There you go. That's Barnabas Piper going very literal. Um, on all
0: of our that's good though. I mean, that's
4: really I good. I also that's, had to list through as many products as I could think of in that because that's how good promotions work. That's
0: like a one long <laughs> promo read right there,
2: yeah.
0: Ron. What about you? You're in a desert island scenario, um, you can bring along only one uh ancillary happy rant product. Um, what's it going to be?
3: Yeah, I mean, by the way, Pipe, that was uh, that was well articulated. Um, I think uh, I'd have to go with the mole scheme, right? I mean, I somehow I, I got to you know, somehow I got to I got to journal my thoughts and I got to you know, I got to be able to got to be able to get some words down. So I'm, I'll am i have yep. to find a, I'll have to find a way to do that because nobody said that because we don't have any happy rent pens or pencils, do we?
0: I, I don't think we do, but we need that.
3: So, yeah. Pen and in pencil industry, if you're listening have your so some, somehow I have to like carve some like some magic like chalk somewhere in the island so that but I can have start have like a keeping. a pencil some in your stuff. pocket?
0: Let's say you got one in your in your pocket. Oh, like then
3: it's a no brainer. Yeah, I would just yeah. have the. I just take the moleskin and I would write really tiny prints so that all the years I was there, I could I could fill it all up and still have room to spare.
0: Baby, do you think that you and I, after we get off the island, could
3: get another like together book deal to publish our, our moleskin? Uh, what, I mean. I mean, is that is that even a question? I mean, do you think do you think that maybe Zondo would want to put something like that out, baby? Not Zondo. No, we're we're <laughs> over our lives with Zondervan. but I think
0: we could get another another publishing house to put that out, and there may be another trip to Toledo in it for us.
3: Yeah, <laughs> finding finding God on the island,
0: finding God on the island. I love it. I love it. I've already got a prop together, baby.
3: I'm right. Is, is it already done? Did you already send it to Wolks? <laughs> Are we I've good? Already sent it to Wolks. Already sent it to Wolks. So the down. most. I mean,
0: for big R for for me boys um gosh I don't know uh I feel like you guys are more Piper would definitely be like the most resourceful like did you guys watch Lost did you ever watch the show Lost
4: of course I did yeah <clears throat> I was oh, never a Lost I, guy I was it I, I watched 24 instead I realized that they was it wasn't an either or but that was my that was my view yeah. and pleasure in those No I get days. it back
0: then there kind of wasn't either or I think with those two shows but Piper, or, uh, Ron, which lost character do you think Piper would be? I think he would be, like, the main guy, don't you think? The guy yeah, the- I
3: think that's like good. Yeah, what's his name? Yeah, Jack. the dude from Party of Five or whatever?
0: Yeah, yeah, that guy. Jack, yeah. yeah. be Jack. Jack's, like, getting stuff done, being super resourceful. Um, I don't know which guy I would be, but I wouldn't be Wasn't that. Isn't there, used-
4: like, a, a weird, prophetic old guy? Yeah, there. Yeah, there's a couple of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I feel John. like that you might have potential for that, Ted. I'd be weird, prophetic, old guy. I mean, I did. You, I think you could pull it off.
0: Yeah, I can live with that. I'll, I'll take that. So, in in that vein, I think I would go with the the, the happy rant long sleeve tee. Yeah. uh it's one of the it's one of the favorite products of ours that uh, that I have. It fits really nicely. The arms stay really long; like they don't shrink in the laundry. Um, I just like it. It's Is that weird. a
4: problem on Desert Islands? Shrinking in laundry. <laughs>
0: I feel like if I if I do the laundry like in the in the river or whatever I could I could it, it'll retain its shape and um you know it's nice and long so uh it's just a it's just a good long sleeve tee so um so check that out at missionalwear.com uh also I I may bring some happy Rant Ligaris uh roasters coffee you know if I got to be on this deserted island I need some I need some coffee um so I'm I'm bringing some of that along too so two products for me uh other questions class other, About, product,
4: uh, other product placements.
0: Other product placement questions. It doesn't have to be product placement.
1: I have another weird question. Yeah, lay it on us. Okay. So this is random. Yeah. But out of you three, mm-hmm. okay... This is during a plane crash.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Who would be...
4: Fun topic. <laughs> this is, for, this really is a very cataclysmic yeah. podcast it's so very far. very
1: fun, very chill. Okay. Tamara,
0: keep in mind that Ronnie travels roughly every four days. Oh, so so
1: me too, me too.
0: This could <laughs> happen. Yeah, this, this, this could is, yeah, happen. This is, yeah,
1: the pre-Desert Island question. <laughs> okay. okay. So during the plane crash, <laughs>
0: yep.
1: who is the pilot, who Ooh. is the flight attendant, and who is the <laughs> scared passenger?
0: Pilot, Viol- <laughs> okay. Pilot, flight attendant, and scared passenger. Out of the three of us, who is which role? Wow. Uh, yeah, big R. You've got a, you've got a pretty good read on these things. You're a resident man. Oh,
4: the dude. <laughs> who, who built- and, and then and then provide the enneagram numbers to go with those.
0: Of Absolutely. What are we savages?
4: Savage. I mean, we are. After we're that's, on the. That's oh. a given. Sorry, I guess I didn't need to say that. My bad, y'all.
3: I mean, you ask any of us, and we're all going to like think that we're the guy that should be the pilot, right?
4: <laughs> so it's like there's—I feel like there's no getting around that. I was the one that crashed
0: the plane. I don't want that on my conscience. That's you fair. Know? I don't want that kind of responsibility. <laughs>
4: but but to be fair, we would all lie and say somebody else should be the pilot because that's that's the thing we're supposed to do. That's true. Yeah. That's true.
3: Yeah. I don't really see myself as the uh, as the steward. You know, I see myself as either the pilot or the scared dude. Yeah. Um, I see uh, – you know, Ted, I'm going to be honest, baby. I hope this doesn't offend you, man. But I I see you in that moment as being a little more steward-like where you're going to yeah. look at me in pipe and you're going to be like, boys, how can I help?
0: Baby, I literally was going to say the same thing. Like I've always kind of – I've always kind of seen myself in that in that always. steward role. Yeah, yeah. Like, somehow this is I've what I mean. You're,
3: you're going to make peace real fast with our impending doom. and You're, you're going to make like, peace. Yeah, you're going to be like, how can I help you guys? Like, you know, the Lord's going to save us. We're all going to be face-to-face, you know, yep. know him as we've been known here, glass darkly, all that stuff, like, in a matter of minutes. Like, you're, you're going to be, like, preaching scripture to us. Like, everything's good. And then, um, I don't know, me me and Piper are going to be trading spots on either being, like, pilot scared guy.
2: Yeah, I think
0: I see Piper, like, up in the – he's up in the cockpit. He's taking the wheel. He's He's trying to land that plane, you know um and, and tip of the cap to him for that tip of my steward's cap to to piper for trying to save <laughs> tip, all of tip our of life. the
4: pilot's hat back thank you
0: <laughs> exactly uh yeah. piper's gonna get over the he'll get over that intercom on the plane and be like wow we're experiencing a little bit of uh, turbulence <laughs> uh,
4: don't, ladies and gentlemen don't mind the smoke out of the uh, window on the left side of the plane that kind <laughs> exactly of yeah
0: exactly um, Ron, Ron, will be texting at Jared C. Wilson saying that he won't be able to make it to normal pastors in August. <laughs> Cancel all my conference bookings. Doggone it. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think that's pretty accurate. You know, I th- I see Piper flying the plane. I see, I see Ron and I kind of, kind of being, being stewards slash
4: scared guys. But. Now, did we, is it my fault that the plane is going down or did, was there like engine failure? I don't like, I'm not What's sure how comfortable. Engine failure? Okay. That, in that case, I'm okay with this. I, I'm not yeah. totally comfortable taking the blame for everybody's impending doom, although, Ted, you're handling it wonderfully. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Tam, did you have a follow-up
4: question?
1: Not a question, but yeah. basically the pilot question there was the pilot actually, like, fainted or passed out or something, so one of you guys jumped Oh, in so you're taking carpet. over.
0: Yeah. Oh. Dude, in that oh, okay. case, so my—I don't know if you guys know this. My old band was a pilot. Um well, I in, that actually, case,
4: I, in that case I want Ted to be the one who jumps up in the cockpit because I don't have any idea what I'm doing and you might.
0: I feel like I got all, I got most of my dad's bad qualities, but maybe if I got a couple of his good qualities, it, it may include like being able to land a plane, but
2: yeah, yeah
0: genetic. I've been on a lot of plane rides with Pops. <laughs> I feel like I've I've watched him like doing his job enough that I could I could maybe locate low key like I could get us to the ground. You know, I could
2: I, could, we're, gonna get to the ground. I we're gonna get to the ground either
4: way, Chester. You know? <laughs> it's just how fast it happens. <laughs> <laughs> you and, between you and gravity we're going to get to the ground. That's go. right.
0: <laughs> Somehow some way we're going to work this thing out. Um Tam, that's a good question. Thank Thanks. you for that. Yeah. No, it's it, always enjoyable to, you know, as much as we travel as media moguls, you know, we could very well run into this scenario at some point. We so have to know. We do have to know. Yeah, we could be on a on a trip to like sign our next big merchandising contract with missional wear down in florida in jeff's mom's basement and um you know and all the, all this could go down in in route so um yeah thanks for thanks for putting that in front of us lots to chew on uh other other
4: questions about plane crashes or not plane crash related Yeah, let's let's go away from things that involve us potentially dying you know what <laughs> not not to hinder anyone's creativity
0: Okay, Chester, Chester, you've got one more death-related question. Lay it on us. Uh,
5: we'll, say, we'll say it's not on an island, because we've already done that, but let's say it's kind of this secluded location. No uh-huh. Hunger Games style. Oh, no. <laughs> <So> that includes
2: <laughs> death.
4: Oh, wow. I have a very morbid group. This is like...
1: Wait, is this going to go
4: into, if we were all playing Hunger Games, which of us would be the last man standing? Was that the question? That was the question. <laughs> this this These kids are so morbid. This
0: is like doing a podcast with like a Early two thousands, like group of emo high school kids, you know, like. Yeah,
4: I feel like there's a lot of like, would you rather games being played in the dorms at Union these <laughs> days or something.
0: Dude, I think there are, man. I think there are. But so the question is, in a Hunger Games scenario, um, which one of us is coming off the island? Like, so who's who's the last does man standing? It,
5: Doesn't it even have to be death. It's who gets incapacitated. Who's the last one standing?
0: Oh, good, Ch- Chester. I appreciate <laughs> that. That's very sweet.
5: <laughs> oh, very sweet That's of you to put that. Not how the call. Hunger
0: Games
4: work, Chester.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the union approved Hunger Games.
3: You're not
4: dying; you're just incapacitated, and there's there's no nudity. <laughs> yeah. No nudity or alcohol in this Hunger Games. And no nudity, on, and no alcohol. Hunger
0: Games. No killing. No dancing. Shirt. You know. Yeah. No dancing. Nobody's dancing their way off the island. There's no dance fighting, so that that can't be a thing. um I don't know, man. This is a tough one, Piper. Do you have do you have thoughts on this? And and Hear me when I say I don't like to think of you guys in this context. I don't want to be. I don't want to be fighting you two. All
4: right. So but. if we were going to list the advantages for each of us, uh, Ted is a former boxer. That's a significant advantage over Ron and myself. Who I don't believe I'm leaving anything out of Ron's biography to say that he and I are not trained fighters in any way. Correct. Um, Correct. So that that is an advantage. Uh, I'm a few years younger, which means i might be more spry than these guys in terms of like oh just recoverability oh. after taking a beating from ted um <laughs> that's Fiber, my- i'm gonna say i like you in a foot race though like if we had to run
0: off the island i think you would be ron and myself
4: so yeah basically i just run until you guys are tired and then like hit you with something heavy just to maim you again <laughs> yeah. no killing um yeah. <laughs> i yeah so ron what are your advantages? <laughs> Dude, I don't... Defend yourself in this scenario. Uh, I'm just... I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead. You needed needed somebody to, like, step up and be like, I volunteer. I volunteer.
0: I feel like Ron would have... He would have the fewest calories to burn off, Piper, because he's he's always dieting. And, That's true. Like, if this if was a long-term salad, thing, he, he's, he
4: is way. more used to living on next to no food than either of us. We would be severely – like, that would be severe hardship for us. Dude, Ron, he's Ron like,
3: could subsist on, like, the nuts and berries and barks, I do. Right? If I could just find some nuts and berries and I could find a it's good a hipster feast, place, baby. I mean, I could last for a long, long time. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so – to be a long-term. He's lived. playing the long It'd game. Like a yeah, Ron's
0: business. playing the long game. He's like he's like Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games, and he's he's gonna hide in the tree for a few days. You know, <laughs> he's gonna eat the leaves and and you know, come up with a plan for a bistro to open in Ashland after he gets back. <laughs> you know, call it call it Hunger Games the bistro, and um, maybe I'll open
3: it on the island, baby.
0: Maybe you could open it on the island. Pipe and I could visit and talk about how how there's nothing on the menu that That's we right. like. We still won't eat this stuff exactly exactly well you know what maybe i I think we've come up with compelling arguments why all three of us could win if it comes down to fighting i win if it comes down to running piper wins and if it comes down to like subsisting on like hipster twigs and berries then ron wins (laughs) so i think
4: you know way to keep so affirmed it's kind of it's kind of a choose your own adventure really
0: it is. It's like that new movie on Netflix, which I'm blanking on the name of. Bandersnatch. 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 Yeah. Have you guys seen it?
2: Yeah, it freaked me out. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize it was interactive. And yeah. the controller just starts shaking on the desk.
0: Dude, that's crazy. What? Interesting. i got to watch that. What's the other like big Netflix thing that just dropped with Sandy Bullock in it?
5: Bird, uh, Bird, Bird Box.
2: <laughs>
0: Bird Box. Was that good? No.
5: Depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen that Happening?
0: I haven't
3: that movie basically came out like 10 years ago
5: basically
3: people were just it's an M. Night movie baby oh is it an M. Night Shami movie yeah, yeah it was like oh. it's like his worst vehicle of all time oh no Wow. Oof, that's rough,
4: especially for you him. It's
3: Mark Wahlberg and chamois, uh-huh. and it's bad? Yeah, it's- oh, it's a, it's like a travesty. You have to see uh-huh. it for how bad it is, honestly. It Baby, out, I might it watch it. Out like
5: a decade ago, so I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Yeah. The first half of the movie starts off really interesting. Like, why are people killing themselves? It's a very interesting premise. Yeah. And then it's the
4: plans.
0: Dude, that was during that little window where... <laughs> it was during the little window where Marky Mark wasn't cool. Because, like, he's, got, he's definitely... Yeah, he had Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Like, that was a good moment for him. And then he had, like... (laughs) A few years in the early 2000s where it was not great to be Mark Wahlberg, and now it's amazing to be him again.
4: Uh, I I do find it fascinating that your students once again bring up a morbid scenario and say it's fascinating that people are killing themselves. Ted, I feel feel like there there might be some deep seated issues going on in that classroom.
0: Piper, I'm failing these students. As a mentor, I'm failing them. This is hard, man.
2: All right, so we're going to move away from the morbid.
0: All right, Sprousey, take us out
2: of the morbid. We're going to stick in the fight vein.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <not morbid>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Leave me here. Only
2: Mickey dies. All right, all right. Apollo dies too. But Ooh, which, we're talking Rocky? Yeah. Okay. Which, which Rocky fight do you want to take place in?
0: Which which Rocky fight would I want to be a part of, Sprousey? Or like as a spectator or a, a participant? As a participant. You are Rocky Balboa. Oh baby. Which fight do you want to fight This is good, and, and I can tell you, Sprouse, that the other two gentlemen on the podcast will, will want to weigh in on this too, because they're all Rocky I fans. I
2: also accept Creed.
0: Um no, I would I would accept Creed too. I I think for me, um, dude, that first fight, the first one, in 1976 at the Spectrum in Philly, he's just met Adrian. He's got so much to prove to himself, to her, like she's got that hot little hat on and those those weird like weirdo hipster glasses that she wore in, in you know, in the like the pet shop scenes in that movie. I would want I would want to fight for her, man um so i'm I'm thinking rocky one against apollo creed million to one odds nobody thinks i can even survive two rounds and i go the distance i take the great apollo creed the distance still lose um i still lose the decision but uh i've proven to the world and to myself that i'm not a bum um so i'm thinking i'm taking the first rocky fight so boys sorry to take the best one but uh thankfully you've got like eight movies left to choose from so (laughs) Big R, you're a you're an aficionado. You're a student of all things Rocky movie. Which uh, which which fight would you want to be Rocky in?
3: Oh man, out of that first one's hard to beat, though. Man, I mean that's Brilliant. you know because there was so much there was so much energy, there was so much passion. I mean, it was like it was his it was like his debut almost. You know what I mean? Like on the on the big what do you call it? you don't call it, what do you call like the what's the word for like the big screen in terms of fighting? Oh yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Like the major uh, leagues, the yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I think the one that everybody gets most pumped on is obviously between him and Drago. You know what I mean? Because there yeah. was like every, somehow all of America's freedom was at stake in that Dude, fight. Right. I haven't figured out that one yet. But You're
0: um, being oppressed peoples. Um,
3: like literally, Rocky loses yeah. that
0: fight and America is not a democracy anymore. So we're there all was, walking around and drab olive garments and like.
3: Yeah, you know. we all turn. We turn. It's all. It all goes Russia and Siberia and America if really? he loses that fight. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot hanging on that, and I think uh, that one's hard to beat because again, this is all mid '80s. Uh, Sylvester has a big budget for a movie, so there's you know. a lot of sparkle and there's a lot of glitter. And I Ian love that and- dude. Yeah, I love that. James Brown is there, uh-huh. and he's all super slick. Like he's he's like fully immersed in oil for like two. Dude, hours. He's
0: immersed in oil. He's hairless. That's his most like
3: jacked and steroidal too literally has peppermint essential oils just dripping off of him for like an hour Dude,
0: right and if you cut him open like just pure steroids and growth hormone come like tumbling out of his veins he paved
3: the way for he paved the way for all the steroid use of the uh 90s and 2000s so uh, now he he did everybody a great service he was a pioneer baby
0: i mean he was a pioneer he was the first of his kind piper what about you which uh which rocky movie are you uh, or which Rocky fight are you taking part
4: in? Oh, well, you Rocky? guys, you guys stole the good one. So I'm going to go with the main fight from the first Creed movie. So the one where he okay. fights. What is the guy's name? Is it Conlon? Rocky Conlon. Yeah. 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 Cool. So that I think I think that one just. Uh, Because it it matches the original like the original set of Rocky movies for for story, for plot line, for kind of rising from nothing. He proves something. He also doesn't win. Um, But yeah, it's I I think I would go with that one. Plus, it's in Liverpool and he's fighting a guy with a cool accent. And so that's fun, too. Plus, Tess Thompson meets
0: you in the hotel the night before the fight.
4: I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of good things happening in that in that particular fight. <laughs> there's sequence. a lot of good
0: things. Out. Seth Orton, that comment was for you, baby. <laughs> I know, I know, man. I know, I know. I a
5: little bit of a Rocky opinion. I was okay. talking to a few of my friends about it the other day, and it's definitely a hot take. I've never met anyone. dares this. To me, Rocky III is clearly the worst Rocky movie. Chester. It's not even really close to me. You're so
4: Ch- many- Chester. You got to be careful with your Rocky opinions because. Ted will give A's to everybody except people with bad, Rocky opinions.
0: <laughs> Chester, that's the sound of you failing the class. <laughs> so
5: give me a chance
3: at a Baby, nobody fails classes anymore. We already covered it. <laughs> yeah, we already
0: talked about that. I can't do that. And I can, fail, I, I, mean can see, I can yeah. see
4: Ted writing a letter on Union Letterhead to Chester's parents saying, this is why your son failed, and then quoting <laughs> his Rocky opinion, and them just being like, justifiable.
0: Yeah, they're like, you know what, Professor Cluck? This is hard to hear,
5: no, my but I understand. agree. Don't get me wrong. I love the Rocky movies, but there's just so many little things about Rocky 3 that does that just don't add up. Like, So he finds out uh, when Clubber challenges him that Mick has basically been handpicking his opponents yeah. because he basically didn't think that Rocky could beat someone like Lane because he wasn't a killer like that. And I'm thinking to myself, he literally went the distance with... Apollo, Apollo Creed, 3 is basically considered the greatest fighter of all time in that universe, and then later beats him in the next fight, and you feel the need to go handpick his opponents because you don't think he's that
1: good?
0: Chester, can I speak to that yeah. momentarily? Yeah. Okay. Yes, Professor. That was, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bloviate. I'm, uh, I'm taking my glasses off
4: and gesturing dramatically with them. <laughs>
0: and
4: Stand, chewing standing, on the little... standing on the table, staring into the middle distance. Here we go.
0: That's right, that's right. Chester, what, what was happening in that scene was that Mick was just caring for his fighter. He was trying to protect his friend, right? And he knew that um, fighting, boxing is a hurt business, and uh, he wanted to navigate his fighter through that with as you know little pain and suffering as possible. So I think it actually, rather than making, you know, for this kind of inauthentic Rocky experience, I think it adds, like, layers and nuance to Mick's character where you see that he really does care for his guy. You know, he's not just in it for a payday.
5: Yeah, that's fair. But uh-huh. if you're the uh, heavyweight champion, aren't you required to fight the top challenger once or twice a year?
0: Dude, right. So that's the that's really the conflict that drives Rocky III is this whole, like, Rocky has sort of gotten complacent, right? I mean, he's got his Ferraris. He's got his huge house. He's got the statue there in front of the art museum. Um, I think he even drives one of his cars angrily, which is a great Rocky montage thing. Rocky gets in a car and begins, like, <laughs> You know, slamming the stick shift into gear and just driving around angrily through the streets of Philly. Um, but yeah, that that fight—it was really about like, do I really have what it takes to fight everybody? You know, can I take on all challengers as is befitting of a champion? And I think the thing I love about Rocky Three and Ron, you weigh in on this one because I know I
3: know you you like the movie. Baby, um, hold on, I got I got something to tell you about that. Yeah, lay it on me, baby. I've never seen Rocky Three before. Oh, yeah, really
5: upset
0: now. Ron Martin! Wow, no, Rocky Three is great, baby. Because
3: you are you familiar with Mr. T from the eighties? You know what? I, I probably need you to refresh my uh, my memory. is uh, okay. see the guy from. I'm joking. Of course, I know who Mr. T was. Oh, okay, good, baby. Because <laughs> I was ready. I was ready to refresh. I mean, are you are you are you
0: accusing me of never having seen the A Team? Yeah, never having like been alive in the nineteen eighties.
3: So of course <laughs> you've seen the A Team. And, um, but I never saw Rocky three and I don't know why I didn't, it almost seemed like I couldn't take it serious enough because it was Mr. T. So for some reason, I've just never seen it. So there's still like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like pipe having never seen lost. So you should be like, you should be like real envious of me right now knowing that there's a Rocky movie I've never seen. Dude. Yeah. So the great, the great thing about Rocky three is, is Mr. T's character,
0: you know, he's really ahead of his time and that he like, you know he goes into the race thing a little bit, and he calls out like. Oh, does yeah he calls out Rocky at his big press conference to unveil the statue. Yeah, and he like he he like plays the race card a little bit, and he gets real aggressive with like with Adrian with Rocky's wife, and and that like flips the switch for Rocky.
3: Oh baby, I'm I'm watching it tonight. You've come. Baby,
0: watch it tonight. Text me throughout. Um, just let me know what you're thinking about it. But um, so it was but, way so, ahead of its time,
3: man, just dealing with issues that we're all dealing with today. Dude, right. Mean, really, all we need to do is go back and watch Rocky 3 and all of our questions are going to be answered. It tackled the tough issues. Already. All of our dilemmas yeah. solved.
5: I haven't gotten to my real blasphemy when it comes to
0: that movie. OK, Chester, so, lay it on us. So I love
5: Mr. T. I love him uh-huh. in an A-Team and I love uh-huh. who he is. As just as a person. I, just as a person. You
0: know what I love his heart. He's a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. No,
5: He is by far the worst fighter that Rocky fights in the entire series. Mm. I mean I think that's wow. completely fair. He has no jab
4: Of course you think it's fair. It's your opinion. That's, that's how opinions work. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you think it's fair. It's your opinion. <laughs>
5: but um, he's probably the worst fighter he fights in the entire series. He has no jab. Rocky beats him more easily in the second fight than he beats anybody else in the mm-hmm. entire series. Beats him in three rounds.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a good training montage. The
5: training okay, the, montage the, it, it probably is. has the best training it's, montage. I mean, it sets the redemption arc okay, for like, the next
0: Except season. for the homoerotic frolicking in the surf. That was a little. His a little different nearby, but uh, yeah, Adrian was nearby. Yeah. she was watching baby, what's
3: like the big song in Rocky three uh I had a tiger, the big one that's rocky three that's Rocky three hey, by the way where uh Chester, you have quite an accent there brother where where are you coming from, from,
0: you, from the south Chester's from the South he's got an incredible deep voice, man I mean
3: that's pretty vague what where, where, where's the south? He's from Memphis.
0: We're gonna start a podcast in which we just bring in random stuff for Chester to read on the air. So he's gonna read like owner's manuals for toasters and Walt Whitman poetry and whatever we can get our hands no on. Rocky in,
2: yeah, what is, no Rocky Takes.
4: Not not to out anybody's identity, but what is Chester's last name? Because if your first name is Chester and you have a voice like that, a last name could really complete this whole this whole image. Yeah. Chester Bennington.
3: Chester. Bennington.
2: <laughs> his last name.
4: His last close, name is Chester. His first name is Nathan.
0: Uh, okay. Which I don't think I've ever called him Nathan in the history of our knowing <laughs> each other. Yeah, not one, one time. Yeah. What's your what's your middle name? What's your middle name, Chester? I'm Matthew. Math, Matthew. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I'm Nate. Busy. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Chester just felt it felt right. You know, felt Yeah, that right to
3: ask, that, that ask Chester works. what his uh, g- give him the little give him the little thing we did, baby, with the whole like what would his like you know theological name be or how? Dude,
0: this is good because he's a he's like a Bible double not major. Not yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> all right, so this is a game. This is a game we played on the air a couple of weeks <laughs> ago where you take um the name of the first street that you lived on plus the name of the theology book that's like closest to you in your office
4: or your dorm room and then add your last name not the name so. of the book the name of the the last name of the author of the book
0: yeah the last name of the author who wrote the book so like my <laughs> my theologian name was greenwood grudem cluck because i had a wayne grudem book like somewhere in my office so greenwood grudem cluck um,
5: Chester.
0: whoa can you say that again
5: Bob, wait Von Hall, Bonhoeffer, Chester Von that's Hall, Bonhoeffer, yeah that's oh, huge it's that's got strong,
4: huge. I was I was Elliot Bonhoeffer-Piper So I, a fellow uh, Bonhoeffer is, uh, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that, epic the,
0: the money thing about Chester is that It's got the Von in the first name, which has like Kind of Dutch connotations for the Reformed world, so I feel like they would be Ooh. All over that
4: Swooning.
0: Dude, Chester would get a book deal just for He'll, he'll probably get a book deal from this program you Chester,
4: know? can you read um, my next audio book?
5: Sure, what's it going
4: to be about? What difference does that make? You're going to get paid. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, he's all, all of a sudden he's got discriminating taste. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to read certain things. You
4: know, I have strong, I have strong incorrect opinions about Rocky, but I'm going to be very discerning about which audio books. <laughs> exactly.
0: Dude, my agent just signed him. Andrew Wolgamuth just sent him a contract just, while we've been you talking.
5: Have
0: your people talk to my people. There we go. We're making he deals. People. He's got people. Everybody's got people. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, he's got a, he's got his parents. Um, these are, these are good, you guys. These are challenging questions. Does uh, what what else do we have? Anything Rocky related? Non Rocky related? Death related?
2: I was thinking movie related. Yeah, later so on. So someone wants to understand your whole persona that you have. What movie do you give them to make them understand? It?
0: Uh, Seth Horton, great question. That's why Seth is our sports editor.
4: I want to hear Ronnie. Uh, so, I want to hear Ronnie on this one. I feel like he's actually thought yeah. about this prior. Just that, yeah, seems, sure. that seems likely. So,
0: one yeah. movie that kind of encapsulates your persona. What are you giving people? This is a great
4: question, uh, Ron. Go, Pipe. I've literally never thought of this like one one <laughs> second of my life. You know, you're just adding to my suspicion that you're not telling the truth, Ron.
3: It's amazing how it's amazing how little these dudes know me. It's unbelievable after all these years.
0: All these years of podcasting, being in the entertainment business together.
3: All these years of podcasting. Baby, all all the, years, the travel, all the money. All these years of All right. the decadence. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, I could I could I could list off a Terry Malick film if I wanted to be pretentious. And Fair by now, the way, Terry is, is a love fan. Man. Yeah. that's right. Um I don't... Yeah, Pipe, you go, man. You, you think about
4: man, these things. let me think. <clears throat> um, well, I kind of... One was, movie. One movie? Okay. Uh, like, well, I aspire to be almost any character that Robert Duvall plays. Wow. So, like, the movie that popped in... So, if you've seen the movie Secondhand Lions, he and yep. Michael Caine play brothers... Uh, And they live out in this weird old house. And he's just like this crusty, sarcastic old man who then has to raise this sort of wussy little boy who gets dropped off. I think it's their nephew. So that's Mm -hmm. the premise of the movie. But he's just Robert Duvall is what I would like to be when I'm like 70. So maybe that's what you're like now. You're already a crusty old man. Right. But you can't really get away with it very well when you're in your 30s. Um, That's true. People people frown upon you like yelling at them and generally being a jerk. Exactly.
0: I like that one. That's strong, Piper. Ron, have you thought of one yet?
4: Well, like just like an actor that I wish I was. Oh no, no, no! Like a, a movie, a movie. B- either either the movie can can describe you, or like a character from a movie who who sums you up. Oh, dude,
3: I go ahead, go ahead, Big T. I have no clue. I don't. Baby,
4: know. wow, you're really
0: you're really bristling. You're really pushing back against this topic. This is fabulous. dude. I just don't. I man, when asks Ron, me my favorite you, band, Ron, my you favorite in any, album, are you an Enneagram out.
4: Four, Ron? Of course. Of course he is. Of course you are. So, so yeah, you, you're not going you to put me in a box. You will never ever label yourself, will you?
0: Dude, I would label myself literally. My New Year's resolution is to sell out to such a degree with this podcast <laughs> that everything I'm wearing is labeled. You know? <laughs> labeled Happy Rant. Labeled Happy Rant. Exactly. So sponsors, if you're out there, hit us up. I, th- I think uh, I think for me, it's a couple. So one... Well, one, one is Friday Night Lights, the movie Friday Night Lights. I think if I had to give somebody a movie that that sort of spanned all the eras of my life that I've lived up to this point, either as a coach or a player or just a person around the game, it would be Friday Night Lights. Like that one is so so small town, so like you know deep dive into football, really beautifully done. Um, so that's one. I think probably any Cameron Crowe movie. So Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous, um, Elizabethtown, um, these movies all have – they all have great soundtracks. They all have really like pretty deeply flawed like male lead characters, like guys who are kind of screwed up. But they're ultimately kind of like on this journey of redeeming themselves. So um, I can definitely relate to all those characters. Um, They they all have really strong female characters too. So I think – yeah, one of, the, one of the tenets of the Cameron Crowe movie, whether it's, you know, the kid's mom and Almost Famous or the, you know, the, the wives and girlfriends in Jerry Maguire, just strong ladies. So I feel like K.K. would, you know, would slide into one of those roles pretty easily. So. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going I'm going Cameron Crowe or Friday Night Lights for me. Um, Seth Horton, what about you? Since you asked the question, what uh, what movie would it be for you?
2: Ah, that's a tough one, um, and that I've never in my life thought about this for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be tough. Uh, no one in here knows me, so I can't look to anyone for help for this. Yeah, um,
4: that also means you can say whatever you want, and we have to believe you.
2: Honestly, <laughs> I, think, I think I'm going to go with the oceans movies, dude. There you go. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, I like that, Seth Orton. Suave, debonair. Like, yeah, you're a bad guy, but you're really a good guy. Okay. I love it. Like those movies, they do a masterful job of getting us to love people who are just stealing like billions of dollars, you know, Um, doing very criminal things, but in a very charming way.
2: I'm just I'm an easy guy to root for. Yeah. So like even when I'm doing the wrong thing, people want me to succeed.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Boys, let me lay a question on you that has come up um, a couple of times here in our classroom uh by the way
4: ronnie had to irish goodbye so he just had to peace out i guess another meeting came up or something in his busy ashland life so it's just me so you can lay a question on me dude he's done do you think he got offended no he texted a while ago and said he has to bounce in five minutes i think he had something else come up all right no that's that's totally fine so the question piper and i feel like you may
0: we, we may see eye to eye on this one so i always make a huge mistake with um almost all of my classes in that i I let them in too deeply to my life and I tell them too many honest things. And, um, in the past I've told them that, um, from time to time I'll pick a nemesis on campus and just somebody to kind of hate from afar for kind of no good reason. Um, but we, we ascertain that my nemesis always, there are always people who are better than me, like at certain things, like whether it's just being better looking or being younger, just being a person who's like better. And, uh, and so I, i've always had these nemeses most of whom i end up like getting coffee with at the end of the year and i find out that they're great dudes and then i i don't have them as a nemesis anymore but um my question to you piper is have you ever
4: had a nemesis and why like how did you choose the nem? oh absolutely that's that there's a certain persona that that is always my nemesis yeah what is that persona describe um yes yeah, so, let's see if i can articulate it um they're they're sort of obnoxiously confident yep they're usually kind of aggressively outgoing yep you know in the in the type who's like you they they see you in the hallway at work for the first time and they're like hey bro we haven't met and I'm like you know there's a good reason for that um <laughs> and so that you know they they usually dress in such a way that you can tell i mean it's it is a very curated look. It's not always the same look, but you can tell they're trying to look like like something. It's a particular yep. particular fashion aura that they're putting off um, they are let me see they, let's see what else. I usually don't get to know them well enough to know, but from afar, I'm guessing that they're they are always discovering new music, and they love uh, they love um, very arty films. They love the Enneagram, and they love very There's feely they love very feely things. Um, uh-huh. So, or at least they purport to love them because that's that is the trendy thing to do. Um, uh-huh. So that's that is the aura, and it's been like that since I was like 14. Yeah. So, well, it was you know, it's it's been the same kind of person for as long as I can remember. Do you have a NEM currently? I do. I don't know his yeah. name yet because he so tried he- to introduce himself and uh and then the elevator door closed. So, right. I don't I don't I don't know who he is, but I know that I work with him and I think I'm, huh. I think that's safe to say cuz there's like a thousand employees where I work and he likely doesn't listen to this cuz he likes feely things.
0: That's good. <laughs> He's busy listening to Enneagram podcasts, so he would he would never get around to this. Um, I wanna I wanna open it up to a couple people in the room. Tam, have you ever had a nemesis? I don't know. Yeah? I
2: don't know. Like I don't think a you rival have, or like a
0: rival. Yeah. Somebody that you've kind of decided that you don't like the look of or whatever from afar. No. Because
1: no? if I ever do have some sort of negative feeling, I have to get to know them so that it goes away.
0: Oh. Wow, so you're basically saying you're a better person than Piper and myself. Oh, that sounds
4: like your next nemesis, yeah. Ted. She's no, better. Than no, you. no, no, yeah.
1: of course not. <laughs> no,
4: no, no. I get what you're saying.
1: You know yeah. what I mean? Because then it makes I'm like, okay, there's no reason for this, so I have to really, yeah, you know, test it out. But also, what I saw somewhere is that a rival actually only brings about an insecurities insecurities in yourself.
4: Oh, for sure, that's what it's that's all it. about. That's it. I mean, I it's all based them. in my insecurities. Mm. See, oh, right. I'm, yeah. und- I'm under the impression that rivals bring out the best in you.
0: They can. Um, often, the I don't let I don't let that happen. It's just <laughs> I keep it focused on the worst and on the negative <laughs> aspects of myself. But Seth Orton, any any nemeses in your life?
2: Um, currently, no. But okay, throughout my life, it's usually sports related. Okay. Um, even actually, I would say probably right now, it's usually NBA players. Okay. So
0: Piper is a is conversant in the NBA. So who are some of your current NBA nemeses?
2: Ooh. Um, so, Brandon Ingram, for instance. Okay. who just one of those things, like, everyone thought he was going to be great when he was drafted, and mm-hmm. I just didn't want him to be. Mm-hmm. And so I've
5: been rooting for his downfall. For- <laughs> you're, a, you're a Celtics <laughs> fan. You should be happy with him right now. <laughs>
4: exactly. I, I didn't know anybody had any feelings about Brandon Ingram. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> Seth is...
2: We don't. Kelly Oubre. I also despise Kelly Oubre.
4: Again, I, neither of those guys do anything to elicit feelings. They're They're just sort of nothings when it comes to basketball I,
2: Kelly O'Lynnett. yeah I, and i love um, kelly olenic which is why I,
0: hmm. Hi, bro, I think you're i think you're forgetting something really fundamental about college and i'm sure it was true for for you and me when we were in college is that you you have the time to like really care about the nba at that level you know what i mean <laughs> it's a it's a magical time of life because um you do you you've, you've got the time and the space to care like that and I, and for me, like I miss caring at that level. You know what I mean? I miss what that felt like. Yeah, so. this is
4: uh, this is basically me being jealous, is what this yes. is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That's us being jealous. Well, uh we've got a we've got a few minutes left, time for maybe one or two more questions. Um, anybody else have anything to lay on us? I have a
1: question. Yeah. It's
0: not as exciting as it Elise, well, don't talk like that. So
1: what is the premise of a
0: Ooh, that's a great question. Premise of a book, Piper, that you've always wanted to write. Um, no, no, they're all good. Uh, if you're on a desert island and you're about to die. No, no.
4: What book would I write in a plane crash? Okay.
0: Yeah. Besides a book about fighting on the island. Besides that memoir, which would be bananas. Um, so, yeah, a book you've always wanted to write that um, you haven't had the time or the resources to write.
4: What would you hmm. say? I... I have been. Let's see. That's a that's a good question. I have been um, trying to figure out what it would look like to write a novel. I uh, just and that that's not that's not a that's not a premise. That's just a super broad genre. But trying mm-hmm. to figure out the premise of a novel that would be worth writing, and that's yep. so maybe maybe I should crowdsource this crowdsource this with the students because the novels I love most are the ones that seem like they would be the hardest to write because they're yeah. not like. Plot oriented, you know. I don't feel like it would be that hard to write, say, like what John Grisham does. But sure. I don't know if I could write it like he does. Clearly, but those are all; those are not character driven. They're just they're all plot devices, and they have like they have a context and a setting, and it's plot devices, and they're they're pretty predictable. Sure. Whereas you read like I don't know, David James Duncan's The Brothers K, or Leif Anger's books, or. Uh, I don't know John Steinbeck or any of the books that are that are kind of deeply human. And I go, I have zero idea how to how to write humans the way that that yeah. guy writes humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the premise. The problem is since it's all built on just sort of humanity, there's not a there's not a plot that I have in mind. Like oh, it should be a story about X. It's much more the complexity of. I want to write people as well as they can be written and that's I don't even know where to begin.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you've you've begun in in a sense by wanting to do that, but also by you know, by reading novels over the years that have that have done that well. So, um, you yeah, know, I think that's further along than a lot of people get on that journey. But
4: uh I, but yeah, I, I might try it someday. It's just I don't get writer's block when I'm writing nonfiction. That does that just doesn't exist in my world. But when writing fiction, I feel like fiction just is a writing block for me. Like, that is writer's block in a nutshell. Oh, writing, writing a story. Yep, there's writer's block.
0: Yeah, it can be, man. <laughs> it can be really challenging. Dude, I tell you, there aren't a lot of books that I have wanted to write that I haven't written. Um, you know, which is on one level a great thing, but on another level, like... I'm kind of in that I don't know where to go from here moment where I'm not even sure I want to write books anymore, um, but I'm also not sure what I would
4: do if I didn't write books. So, what about a uh, screenplay? Long, what about a screenplay yeah. you would want to write?
0: Um, yeah, I mean there there are there are definitely examples of those I think, but um, I, I don't know if you're like this, Piper. If you're into this like level of grizzled old manness, but I see books now and book contracts as just like paying for things that are going to go wrong around the house. Like, um, th- like this new ghostwriting project that I'm doing, like I'm viewing it largely as like my way of dealing with some like window issues on the front of the house. And I'm like, man, I have reached jaded, grizzled old madness because <laughs> the the, the romance is gone, you know? And I, I want, I want the romance to come back, you
4: know. I just I, – I guess to answer Elise's question – I mean, if you're looking for romance and writing, uh, ghostwriting is not the way to go about it, Ted. Dude,
0: no, it isn't. But it's a good – there's a good buck in that racket, you that's know what I mean? I mean? Yeah,
4: no, that's yeah, – it's a good yeah. hustle,
0: but not – It is a good hustle, and, and you know, my – I guess my view on it is I I got to say yes while the phone is still ringing. But, but yeah, I, I guess to answer her question – I would want to do whatever project would like bring the romantic feelings back, you know, whatever prospect or whatever project would like um, really get me into that place where I'm thinking about the book all the time. I'm loving
4: the characters. Do you think any author who's written multiple books still feels that or or is it always like is there always just sort of a like this is the work now mentality? And I don't mean that in a like I think of work as a good thing. So that's not a negative statement. I I just yeah. I feel like once you're once you're past, you know, maybe book 2, you're it's it's like being in a long-term relationship. You get out of the newness stage and then you're in you're you can still be in a really good place, but it's not like new and exciting all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, feel I feel like totally writing writing is a little bit like that.
0: No, I I totally agree and I think, you know, part of part, part of the thing with a career like that is that it is it is sexy, you know, it's, it's, it's not like digging ditches or whatever. There's the sense of like, people are interested in it and it's fun and it's fun to talk about at parties and and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, all that is definitely gone. Um, I still do enjoy the act of making sentences. Like I really like to write a good sentence. I like to write a story and tell one, but, um, but yeah, I I guess to answer your question, I want to believe that, even an older writer who's done a lot of books can get that feeling back at some point for a certain project, you know? Yeah. Um, cause I, if the answer is no, then I guess, you know, I guess I can be thankful for having had that feeling before and I can be thankful that like the phone is still ringing, but
4: I can kind of stop dreaming about feeling a certain way. You know what I mean? I, I kind of wonder if some of the, <clears throat> when you, when you get into publishing as, as work or for money, I think that almost is inherently at odds with writing for just sort of the joy or the romance of it. Yeah. And so I, I think, think so. I think there, I think for somebody like you or like me to get that back, it almost has to just be something that it's just, it's like a passion project that we would be okay if it wasn't published someday or, you oh, know, sure. it might never be because it's just the thing that we keep coming back to. Um, Cause it's, when I think about publishing, my mind immediately goes to like, what would work? You know, what are publishers looking for? And you immediately just, you just immediately leave out a ton of creative work that could be done because it just won't work in the, in the publishing world.
0: Dude, right. You start thinking about what would work. You start thinking about who do I have to involve to make this happen? And you know, the, the kind of joyfulness and the romance kind of goes down exponentially with each person that you add to a project and you know, whether it's editors or publicity people or whatever. Um, so yeah, man, I, I totally agree. I think it would be something that I just kind of work at passion projects. You know, the movie silver dome is like that, you know, that was very much a, like just came from the heart, never figured it would go anywhere thing that, um, you know, we're trying to, to bring it out into the light of day. But, um, I think the best stories and the most nourishing ones you know soul wise are the ones that are the most personal that the ones that you have to write whether there's going to be a book deal or a movie deal or anything on the other end um and yeah after you've done that a few times like i like i hope that comes back you know i just hope like that personal feeling comes back at some point but uh but yeah really good question that is please. a good question yeah that was a that was a great one for sure um piper do we need to wrap this program
4: We've been going almost an hour. I mean I'm I'm happy to stay on as long as people have questions. I'm not I'm not in a rush to go anywhere.
0: Do we have one more, frivolous or serious? Yeah, ask one off of hers for sure. Do you feel like that's kind of like your natural of being what you actually want fire to invest? Like passion that
1: you're the work rather than what you need or you people want you to do.
0: Yeah, so this is something we talked about off the air pipe with the class, how I think the media and like movies
4: and TV, they condition us. Ted, could you repeat the question? It was a little fuzzy.
0: Yeah, the question was, you know, is is passion like your undergirding sort of uh, metric for whether or not to do a project? Mm -hmm. And something we talked about off the air was how the media makes, you know, single minded devotion to the art out as like the sexiest thing. So like Jackson Pollock's in a room slinging paint against a canvas and his super hot wife comes in and says like, you know, I've cooked you a five star meal and then I'm going to drag you into bed. And he's just like, no, you know, get out like I'm devoted to the work. And, you know, so that's viewed as like the best thing. You know, the most ideal thing is the single minded, passionate devotion to the work. But in reality, when you're a husband and a dad like you know, homeowner and I mean, all these very much. Of the earth, kinds of problems of how am I going to pay my bills and what needs to be fixed around the house? Like projects take on a real utilitarian kind of bent, where you're like, yeah. In a, in a perfect world, I would really, really want to tell this story, but in the actual world, I kind of want to tell the story, but I really need ten thousand dollars, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway. You know what I mean? Right. Has that been your experience?
4: Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it is a myth of privilege that you get to do what you are most passionate about and make a living doing it. Um, yeah. If that happens, you are in an exceptionally privileged position. And I don't mean that privilege is a negative thing there. I just mean it's rare. Like that's a thing that only happens for some people, which means that you need to like you have to carve out room for the passion that's it's 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 what people have called hobbies in the past. Those are the things that yeah. that you're excited about, but you also have another job. And I know that there, like, there's a generational mindset that that says we have a right to do what we are passionate about and get paid for it. Um, yeah. And reality and that mindset just don't always match up very well. Um, I yeah. I would love to just do stuff that I'm excited about and have somebody hand me a paycheck for it. Um, Yeah. But, but even in that realm, like there's still just a grind and a hustle to it in terms of, I mean, if if you want to be a, be a writer for a living, what you're forgetting is the amount of time you have to spend pitching the stuff that you write, the amount of time you have to spend negotiating, the amount of time you have to spend chasing down people who didn't pay you on time. And I mean, that's just writing. The same is true for any sort of freelance work. And so yeah. I, I don't think passion should be the driving force in decision-making on the work that we do. And once you're responsible for other people, so I have kids, Ted has a family, the, the, the metric changes dramatically. Because now you, your responsibility is for those who need you. Um, if you're single and unattached and have nobody who is responsible, like you're not responsible for anybody, you probably have more freedom to take risks. And, and so, but, and so it just becomes, it just becomes this, this, this equation of like, what is best for the responsibilities that I have as, as an adult. And in any context, like I've always tried to carve out room for the things I'm passionate about, but it it ebbs and flows. Like it's been two years since I've written a book. I'm just, I'm just getting into one now because the last two years have just not been conducive to passion projects. But, but now, now I can do that a little bit more. And so I think there's just that ebb and flow to it. I don't know if that really helps answer the question. I hope it does.
0: No, it does. And I think that's something that as college professors, we should be a little more like explicit about with our students. You know, everything, everything around here is so, I, ideological and and kind of pie in the sky that you know I think we we do our, our our kids a disservice if we don't tell them what it's actually like to make a living and and part of that is finding the projects that that bring in the most passion but are the most practical and if i can make those two circles overlap in a project then i've i've got a good one and if the circles don't touch at all it's probably not a project that i should do so if i feel yeah. 0% passion for it
4: um I should probably step away from it. Well, there's, and- there's also there's a difference between passion and purpose. Like if if, yeah. the, if the work you're doing is not something that you're elated about, but it has a good purpose, or your it it feeds the good purpose of your life. So you're doing yeah. mundane work, but it is providing for a more meaningful purpose. Then then that's that's not an insignificant thing, and so. I I think it's more helpful to think about what is the purpose of what I'm doing as opposed to how passionate am I feeling because passion in that way it ebbs and flows and there's there can be something you invest deeply in that you stop feeling passionate about that doesn't mean yeah. it stopped having a good purpose that means your yep. feelings changed and that right. feelings are just fickle things so I I try to measure things more by purpose than passion in terms of actual decision making
0: yeah that's a that's a good word pipe and that. I mean, that holds true for a marriage or, you know, a job commitment or any kind of commitment that we make. So um, that's a good note to end on, my friend. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun. It was fun for the the 20 minutes that we had Ron in the studio with us. And and thanks to my students again for making this great and and bringing great death related and plane crash related questions to the table it's always always good to be challenged on those levels
4: i appreciated um, the um, spectrum of questions ranging from desert islands to life's purpose so that was rocky that was three. enjoyable Yeah, yes, yes can't leave out rocky about,
0: about rocky three so uh piper we have done what we always do on this program we have wandered to and fro throughout these topics and until next time rachel the held evans
4: The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast.
1: There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.